This podcast contains occasional rude words and possibly some very wrong concepts. So you have to blame yourself for listening and we hope you have a laugh. G'day, it's the Moon Man here, Lawrence Mooney. Did you ever have a childhood dream denied but can live with yourself because at least you tried? Check out this podcast, Saturday Afternoon Fever, with Matthew Hardy and myself, where we remember what we were like as naughty kids, terrible teenagers and young, drunk, idiot adults. Chapter 26, The Fall. I am unable to comment on the following four seasons as I was overseas for much of the time. Able to return for just three months during the summer of 95-96. So not The Fall... As in the f- one of the four seasons, but no, four years of football. And not the fall as in a title, a generic title of an ABC drama. Mm. How would they say that? Next on the ABC, trouble at the mill on the fall. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was gone for the following four seasons and I was only able to return for three months during the summer of 95, 96, mm. this is what I do know to have taken place back here in Australia. During that time. 1993, St Kilda slips to 12th on the ladder. Stab me. And the Bombers win the Premiership. Baby Bombers. Oh, because no one told us we couldn't. What a victory over Carlton. You should see, if the listeners could see you, flexing your muscles as you pump the air with your clenched fists. Oh. Triumphantly. A young James Heard. What was to unfold some 19 years later? Oh, let's not def- took the club into ignominy. Oh, I don't even define him by and that. No, no, I don't want to define him by that. Yeah, that's it's a terrible thing to say, and he's probably a fan of the, the podcast, but how, boy. How can he not be? That 93 grand final. I reckon I could name everyone in that team. Go on. Okay. From the back line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the bloody backs. <laughs> Um, Sean Wellman. Don't you don't ask the question. I wouldn't know. I don't care. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> well, I care enough that if you rack them all out quite quickly, it'd be worth the listeners understanding what kind of a Rain Man knowledge you have of your 1993. Bombers. I'm shaking my own confidence now. Have you, have sure, you, you Sean Wellman was in the team. <laughs> <laughs> so 30 seconds ago, you could name all of them. Now you've named one, and you're not even sure about that. Fair enough. Let's move on. Back to the book. Cal Thorpe. Mercedes, Johnson, Johnson, um, Alessio, Heard. I need a buzzer. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Right, 1993, St Kilda slips to 12th on the ladder, stab me. 1994, Stan Owls takes over as coach from the sacked Ken Sheldon. <laughs> St. Kilda slips St. Kilda slips one rung lower on the ladder. Shoot me. 1995, Tony Lockett leaves St. Kilda, then kicks 110 goals immediately in his first season for oh. Sydney. St. Kilda slips one rung lower again to 14th. Slice me into little shreds. The 1996 season got off to a spectacular start for the Saints when they beat Carlton to win the Ansett Cup night grand final. In the preseason, stuck overseas, I could not blow so much dough on a flight for a preseason competition, especially after I'd flown back to London two months earlier, having chosen, after much consideration, the Boxing Day Test at the MCG over the Anzat Cup, Anset Cup as the sporting focus of my holiday. So finally, some silverware after thirty <laughs> years. Oh well, yeah, but it was a preseason competition, but That's still, right. it feels good. Well, I heard that Nicky Winmar had turned up after the um, summer off with uh, less than flattering skinfold results. Mm. 
And he said, don't worry about it, fellas. It was like apparently a fair way over whatever the expected weight uh, division should have been. He said, don't worry about it, fellas. And over the next fortnight, only drank water and only ate grapes. And then he was perfectly ready to go for this Ansett Cup final, wow. which St Kilda won, and he was awarded the best on the ground called the Michael Tuck Medal. Well, he's lucky he didn't shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> From what? A grape-only diet? Grape and water? You can't run at full stretch if you've just been living on grapes and water. I did have a lot of grapes recently and had a result not unlike what you're discussing. And yeah. I, I wasn't aware previously. It's not They're not prunes, are they? I, thought, I, wasn't, I wasn't aware that grapes were, in fact, a known laxative. Yeah, they are. Are they? My uncle, Wilf, was in hospital. He, he was... Hang on. We're, we're no, 24. Me... You've got an Uncle Wilf, and we've taken 24 episodes to mention him. Oh, yeah. He died of emphysema and cirrhosis of the liver. It was a race to see which one was going to win. <laughs> right. But uh, shouldn't he, be laughing at it, Uncle Wilf's issues. He had, uh, he was a welder and uh, worked at a, a, a factory in Dandenong or Doveton. And um, he had got on a forklift to, and got the forklift driver to hoist him up to get something off it a high shelf and coming down had fallen off the forklift, broken one of his legs. Bad break. Ends up in hospital for a long time. And um, we went to visit him and my mum, uh, as is an, you know great English tradition, takes in a, a fruit platter for him, uh, a little bowl of fruit, which included a bunch of grapes. Well, it sounds like considering the way you described the cirrhosis and the emphysema, that a fruit, platter, a fruit platter may not have been part of his standard diet. Absolutely it wasn't, and he was never going to eat it. But right. mums being mums, you know, here you go, Wilf. Uh, he was married to my mum's sister, and they'd broken up a long time previously, but we stayed friends with Uncle Wilf, favourite uncle. You know, the, the uncle that shows you your first nudie magazine, uh, lets you have a smoke. Has a, yeah, that kind of uncle. How loose, real loose. How old were you when he showed you your first nudie <laughs> magazine? And in what, was he dressed at the time? <laughs> yes, he was, but the girls in the book weren't. Right, fair enough. Anyway, so... Uh, oh, well, no, 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 no. The, no, the, anyway, I would like a bit more elaboration. So he had a pile of magazines in his shed uh, that, right. you know, featured... Um, Scantily clad young lithe ladies. Nude. Women. Mexican women and, you know, wearing sombreros and a poncho he and then all it. of a sudden... He did not. I'm telling you exactly what I saw and then all of a sudden the, the poncho would be off oh, and, right. you know... It's it's not a it's not a great narrative arc. <laughs> were they Mexican? What? I've got a feeling that because that they were wearing brown such skinned, they they looked you know Mexicanish. But you know, basically, dress a woman in something, and a couple of pages later, she's not going to be wearing it. Right. Okay. You get how a nudie book works. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just it's a cultural appropriation. Uh, it's not, I'm not I'm not concerned about it. Do you just, want to know whether the the model was genuinely Mexican? Well, I'm wondering whether or not there was like another uh, chapter, like the next month, Japanese girls or or women kimonos, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. So basically, I learned a lot about geography from Great. those books. Yeah. So. I was. I had to make do with National Geographic and the uh, ladies of African descent with bloody. I reckon it was probably uh, evidence of ten no or eleven, and I'm in the shed with Uncle Wolf, and I pick up one of the magazines, and I said, "What's this?" And he goes, "Open it." And I was like, "Oh, these people aren't wearing any clothes." He goes, "Yeah, that's right." Oh, well, that's much better than him calling you into his room or something and going, "Lawrence, hey." No. Or calling you on the he phone. Wasn't, he wasn't. What are, dodgy. what are you doing at four thirty tomorrow no. after school? He was. He was good. He Great. was good to go. Anyway, let me get back to the fruit platter. 
So he's in <laughs> he's in hospital, and uh, he's next to an old guy who's uh, not quite with it. Okay, guy's got a bit of dementia. Back in the days before they used the word dementia, he was senile. Yep. remember that? Yeah, old people just went senile. Yep. And so, um, Uncle Wolf said, you know, to Bob next to him in the bed, he goes, uh, you know, it was from Birkenhead. Listen, brother, I'm not going to eat this fruit. So, uh, do you want to? Do you want the fruit? And uh, Bob goes, yeah, I'll have the fruit. Anyway, senile, <laughs> eats the whole plate of fruit. <laughs> I go to visit Uncle Wilf. He's got this big smile on his face. I said, how are you, Wilf? He goes, oh, the leg's giving me buggery, son. But um, he goes, it was funny last night. He goes, Bob in the next bed, ate all that fruit. I heard him shit his pants in the middle of the night. It just went off like a fucking bomb. <laughs> <laughs> off, off like a bomb. He goes, he, goes <laughs> he, he just heard him just unload. <laughs> well, he would have had to also uh, experience the aroma, oh, the, the accompanying aroma as well, wouldn't he? Oh. That would remove the well, amusement. Well, I think somebody hit the, the buzzer and it's like, I think we uh, emergency clean up Bob. <laughs> clean up on aisle five. And and they were like, where did he get all this fruit from? It's like, I, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your mum meant well. My mum meant well. And yep. Uncle Wilf, wicked sense of humour, set somebody up for a fall. Back to Nicky Winmar and his water and grapes diet. That's right. I thought I'd be able to handle it if the Saints went on to win such an event in my absence, such as a pre-season night grand final, but I was wrong. Drunken phone calls from Simon, Steve the Postie, Shane from Sindel Tech and young Jason, not to mention Fats, now a seasoned Sainter following, you know, uh, joining the Saints after his original Swans moved to Sydney. They all... Oh, go back a bit. You've... What, what have you done there? All right. So... I got confused. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <It's> like... <laughs> I've mixed up reading with uh, flight of... Yeah, flight of fancy. Right, I'll start again. You started improvising. You started scatting in your own book. Speaking of scatting, that's what uh, Bob, Bob in did. the bed next door. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd be able to handle it if the Saints went on to win such an event in my absence. I was wrong. Drunken phone calls from all the usual suspects... Served to make me resent St Kilda for months. Wow. So the pain of defeat and deprivation and then all of a sudden the wheel turns they and win you hate them for their success. Because they won something when I wasn't there to witness it. <laughs> well, you will find a way to let this club hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm, it's an abusive relationship, isn't it? It is. St Kilda finished the home and away season in 10th position, which would have seemed almost satisfying if that Anset Cup Premiership hadn't have got our hopes up before that season had even started. So 1996, you finished 10th. What is about to unfold in 1997? Chapter 27. Get ready for this. I'm ready. Mr High in the Sky is the title of Chapter 27. And at the, in the very first episode of this podcast... You implored listeners to hang in there for what's about to be revealed. Mm. It was not yet dark when I returned to my London flat on the evening of April 26, 1996. Easing the front door open, I saw the red light flashing on my answer machine, indicating someone had left me a message. Not an unusual occurrence. So I set my keys down on the coffee table 
went for a wee before sitting down with a notepad and pressing play. Mum's voice sounded sombre and I immediately feared the worst. Mm. I felt reassured when she said, now, we're all okay. And I heard myself exhale with relief. Then she continued, but there's some sad news I thought you'd want to hear. Trevor Barker died in his sleep last night. She said other things, but I didn't hear them. Indigestion seemed to attack me on the spot. It crept slowly up my throat where it formed a lump. It hurt in there, that lump. I swallowed in the hope the lump would go away, but it seemed to grow bigger. A strange sensation rose from my toes to my nose, repeatedly like a series of hot flushes, the space between them reducing rapidly. My bottom lip... It's about to do the same. My bottom lip began to fold back on itself outwardly and my eyes closed with pressure and permanence as if I was an Olympic weightlifter straining to hold the sagging bar above my head until the buzzer goes. I tried to stop, but it was no use. The emotion was so overpowering, I conceded defeat and chose to go with the flow. I'd cried before as a boy and as a man. Love, hate, fear, frustration, pleasure, pain, all had activated my tear ducts at one time or other, but this was something else altogether. I felt like an infant animal left behind by its family, unable to cope alone in the wilderness. Then and there, as I struggled to digest Mum's message, the death of Trevor Barker represented not only the loss of his life, but also a loss of innocence, a loss of whatever impressionable part of me had been so affected by his face on that footy card all those years ago. Oof. That is... Growing up in Glen Waverley, with no signs of imminent war, depression or economic collapse, we were free to dream. Lucky people in a lucky country. Trevor Barker had long, golden, blonde hair. Trevor Barker played for St Kilda. Trevor Barker took screamers and kicked miracle goals. Trevor Barker was always surrounded by gorgeous girls. Trevor Barker was an angel. Trevor Barker was a god. I dreamed of doing these things and saw no reason why he couldn't one day be me. The answer machine message was a lengthy one and by the time I'd stopped bawling, mum had started. There we were, mother and son, at opposite ends of the earth, opposite time zones, distraught over the death of a sports star we didn't know. That's a beautiful piece of writing. And we're going to play that message, which I still have, Mm. so you can get the feel of it. Uh, for yourselves. Hi, Matthew, it's Mum. Now, we're all okay. There's some sad news I thought you'd want to hear. Trevor Barker died in his sleep last night. Bye. That, the first time I heard that was when you played it on stage, Saturday Afternoon Fever, the stage show, and... Uh, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. And it's such a poignant message considering, you know, the arc of Trevor Barker in your life. It's it's such a touching message from a mother to a son. And that's the actual message. And, um, you know, if she was an actress and that was, you know, a fictional line she was asked to deliver, she, Meryl Streep couldn't have done a better job. I mean, of course, it's not fictional. It's a fact and it's my real mum imparting the real message. And it was, yes, her truth. I know. And look, other people have had way harder, you know, issues occur in their lives, including you and I. We all have than that, than this. But I've never... That moment is something very special. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, there's a there's a whole lot surrounding the mythology too. Is you know, there's this saint, yes, uh, who flies, who entertains, who is widely regarded by all opposition supporters as a star. Um, he's revered. He wears number one. He's blonde, and then he's gone at the age of thirty nine. It's a, it's almost mythological the whole thing. And for those who aren't aware, it was it was cancer that killed him. And um, you know, uh, I ob- obviously am not the only one because he's not that highly regarded by hundreds of thousands of people for nothing, as you've described various reasons why. But you know, I'm telling my story, and uh, yeah, that was the loneliest at that stage in my life I had ever felt. Like couldn't have been further away, you know. Uh, and then, of course, there was a massive funeral at the St Kilda Town Hall, and they, there was more people outside. I think three thousand people, and there was only three hundred people could fit in inside. And then they all spontaneously burst into the Saints theme song as his coffin was being carried out. Um, just an incredible, an incredible contribution to the society and the community that he was, you know, born into and uh, and succeeded within. And I reckon that it is, you know, it is this story. Saturday afternoon fever is your story, but it's Trevor Barker's story too. And, uh, you know, it's it's a fitting end. It's not quite the end though. No. And what I, I suppose wanted to convey with this story is, you know, good people should be heralded. You know, there's a lot of bad people out there. There's a lot of politicians now that lie to our faces, that are corrupt, that steal public money for their their own selves there's you know war there you know there's major problems in the world at any time in any era but trevor barker was a good person yeah and only offered good things for Uh, others you know for us to take joy from and that can't be underestimated and yeah i think that you're quite right and those little sweet things in life should be celebrated and remembered and heralded like you say but um can you imagine if we were considered as good a person that when and if we die, someone would speak as highly of us, you know, maybe one person. That's <laughs> 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 probably not going to happen and it's worth us no, laughing it, at. No, but, no, you know no. what I mean? To, it, to, I, I, I would dare say when and if you die, there'll be a lot of people say some wonderful things about you. Well, I hope so. Yeah, but that's, I sure. suppose that's not the point. It's I don't just think like... you're going to be town hall funeral. <laughs> you're going to be one of those shitty outer suburban <laughs> funeral home chapels with what? about five people there. <laughs> Hang on, what about the Caribbean Rollerama? <laughs> Can't they repurpose that? I mean, I am going to be laughing your ass off. No, I'll be my funeral, state funeral. Your state funeral. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a parade. Oh, flags at half mast for three days. <laughs> National mourning. Yeah. Oh, the moon man's gone. Long, Good riddance. Long live the moon man. <laughs> Here lies Lawrence Mooney. Uh, <laughs> he smoked Peter's Diversons. Never mind. Back with his uncle Wilf, looking at the Mexican nudie magazines. <laughs> <laughs> and he also had a beer can cannon. That's right. Because he was a welder. He used to have these stainless steel tubes. And so he would, you know, drink... Uncle, Uncle Wilf. Un- Uncle Wilf, so he would drink his Melbourne bitter. Frightful alcoholic, drinking <laughs> Melbourne bitter from dawn till dusk. Right. And then put the empty cans in, put a penny bunger in the bottom of it, and it would fire the can out the cannon. 
What? To, so, what, what? Where would he fire the can towards? Into the, into the back garden. Into the night sky. Into the night sky. Well, like the yeah. Hunter S. Thompson. Yes. <laughs> Wanting to be so blown into the... Smoker, drinker, nudie books. Uh, used to let us drive his van, you know. What? Yes. As children? Mm. Was he ever in a relationship of note? Yeah, he was married to my mum's oh, elder course, sister. Of course, I'm and sorry. That, that broke down because yeah. of the booze. Yeah, and the and the and the and the beer can cannon and the nudie books probably yeah. <laughs> spending too much time in the shed. <laughs> I can't get past the Mexican element of that story. I'm not. It's not offensive. It's just uh, such a unique, specific, personal uh, preference. Well, it's just. I'm not. Uh, it, there, I'm, there was Islanders too. There was, you know. Uh, there's women carrying fruit. Selma, Selma Hayek. <laughs> there's, there's, there's the fruit through light again. Yeah. Uh, I went to Acapulco once. <laughs> Who does he play for? <laughs> oh, can this be the end of the whole thing? How can oh, we top that? Well, because there's got to be a... A post note, right. and that is the season of 1997. So, following the death of Trevor Barker, of course, 1997 comes out without preempting what's going to happen in the book. But as the Italians say, you can't have sweetness without the bitterness. And so, the bitterness of that death was soon to be followed by a very sweet season for the Saints. <laughs> Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you. Ample. Hear, hear. Is this thing on? Yeah, that's on. Don't touch that.